trending news right now. What's happened in social media in the last 24, no, 72 hours, because it's Monday, so we take a look at uh, the weekend. Let's find out from social commentator Pumelelo Mashifane joining us now. Three minutes past four is our time. Pumelelo, good morning. How are you? I'm well in you. I'm good. Thanks very much. How was the weekend? Uh, very busy, but um, uh, quite quite enjoyable. Are you having any expectations ahead of uh, the budget speech that's going to be delivered on Wednesday? Yeah, you know, with our government, I expect totally nothing to change. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Um, I was listening to what uh, the listeners are also saying. I'm just also despondent, you know. I expect the usual, the 10 rand increase in social grants and this and that, but I don't expect anything really radical, um, judging from the president's state of the nation address. I don't expect anything radical that is going to address the crippling challenges that we're facing last year's unemployment. Mm. Okay, uh, let's talk hashtag Ace The Zondo Commission is not a court of law, has been told. But uh, he decided to address, uh, it was a live audio feature on Twitter on Friday called Spaces. He decided to make an address there, and he's uh, saying quite a lot of things, but one of them saying that he's got secrets of the ANC, and it's it's a, a threat, basically, that he's saying he's going to air these secrets. Mm. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think the ANC finds itself in a ball of snickers uh, right now, especially the NEC, because it seems... Uh, where the ex Makashule issue is concerned, it seems like there was a rule created just for him because um, there was a big brouhaha about to step aside, but no one else has been seen stepping aside mm-hmm. since ex Makashule um, was asked to step aside on those charges related to the asbestos tender mm-hmm. um, in the free state. Uh, also, but a lot of uh, back and forth between the state and alleged witnesses, one of them being the former PA of Ace Mahashula while he was still premier mm. in the free state, and the state saying she's cooperating as a witness and has given a statement, and her coming out and saying, I'm not a witness or anything. In fact, I was being pressured to do that while in the United States and so forth. So it's going to be very interesting to see what comes out of, of, of the next court appearance. But absolutely, I think um, his retort is based on the fact that um, the second leg of the state capture um, report, uh, state capture commission report, uh, was released a couple of weeks ago and um, makes significant findings against him. Again, um, if you look at the amount of attention that's being paid to Ace Mahashule and as opposed to somebody else who's mentioned in the report, which is um, uh, the minister, uh, Kumbuza Nchavedi, mm-hmm. very close to the president, Sir Ramaphosa, but mentioned nonetheless or implicated in the report, uh, but we're not seeing the same um uh, sort of thing being applied uh, to to her. She's not been asked to step aside, even though she's been implicated in the report, uh, not implicated in in the commission or somebody saying, um, you know, this happened, but these are the findings of the report that we're dealing with at this stage. 
Yeah. So, yeah, very interesting to see. It is the conference here of the ANC, um, and we're, we're going to see sparks fly. I believe we're going to see sparks fly um, as regional conferences get underway, provincial conferences get underway in preparation for uh, December. Um, I think um, we're going to see politicians play the ANC apart this year. Well, I mean, as we say, the latest court appearance is in relation to that 255 million rand free state asbestos saga. They is uh, meant to be appearing or uh, to have the, that hearing. It's not going to go away, though, this case. And I mean, there's been such a build up to this point and it continues. So his threat then to air Lutuli House secrets, what do you think he's trying to achieve with that? Because this is not going to go away, this court appearance. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't know um, what that sort of thing seeks to achieve. Um, if you say you're going to aid the truly hard secrets, um, there's no sort of moral fabric that is running through the ANC right now. As I said, there's a lot of double standards. A lot of people are accused, charged with the same thing, but um, they're not being asked to step aside. So. I don't see it as a tangible fighting weapon that you can use to say, well, I'm going to aid the truly house secret. I mean, at this point, I think the public is so desensitized to the truly house um, dirty secret um, after we've, we've experienced um, the most tomfoolery things coming out of the truly house in the past year, people not being paid their salaries by an organization as big as the ANC and all sorts of other things. Um, but I think um, this this is, is is a fight about the politics of the conference that is coming right now. I think the all the legal challenges and all the court cases are just avenues at which those battles are being ventilated. But I think the big battle is the conference this year, um, and the battleground is going to start in places like Free State and the Northwest and Mpumalama, uh, particularly as provinces that sort of still hold the former section block, so mm. to speak, if, 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 I make, if I make sense here. Well, it's uh, been dragging and s- since uh, 2020. I don't know, do you see it ending any time this year or this <coughs> might go on next year in your analysis? You know, I, I've read the chart sheet um, that uh, has been, uh, been preferred on Ace Mahashule, and um, I still wonder, you know, he's been charged with oversight in this whole thing, and I know that the businessman involved, he's had his staff confiscated, Edwin Sodi is his mm-hmm. name, and all sorts of stuff. But really, he's been charged with oversight as a premier that he failed to provide oversight when corruption happened. Um, and... I think it's going to be a difficult one to stick because if, if you've got a charge like that, Asanda, you've got to look at people who presided over life as where people actually died mm. um, in, in, in the most horrific ways, you know, and, and, and nobody's been ever been charged with oversight on that. And so I think um, whenever you're faced with a situation where um, the person whom justice is being muted out on feels that that very justice is unjust. Um, You're going to have a sort of fight back until the end. And that's why we see the sort of 
um, things like we're going to air everybody's secrets because I think the whole process is is the perception of not being fair. In uh, sticking with politics, let's talk hashtag Julius Malema versus Afri Forum. And uh, is, uh, is this ongoing um, civil case that's brought by Afri Forum uh, against him for the singing of the Shoot the Boer uh, and that uh, being seen as hate speech? This time, I mean, his concluding testimony, what uh, are the major points there? Um, you know, if, if you followed Asanda, uh, the politics of Julius Malema, I watched this court case, and for me, it felt like deja vu because I think about ten years ago, he he was undergoing the same court case with the same litigants, mm-hmm. being up to forum around the same song uh, of the Bulipun. And uh, the questioning and the whole court case for me seemed like a rehashing of the past. And um, back then, he was still president of the ANC Youth League, and now he's president of his own party. Mm. Uh, but really spot flying in that court case and dominating the Twitter streets as well as the Facebook streets for the whole week, um, Julius Malema uh, in the box uh, at the South Kaiteng High Court talking about how this song or any other struggle song is not a call to action, is not a literal instruction for people to kill white people um, when that type of song is sang. And uh, quite heated exchanges um, happening between him and Afri uh, Forum advocate, um, a gentleman who goes by the name of Oppenheimer. Mm. And so we watched that, and and a lot of, I think, and I saw a lot of people say, you know, um, I, I've always uh, mistook Malema, but this week he's won my heart because he's saying all the things that we expect our leaders to be saying about our suffering, and none of them are saying it. And so I think um, whether it's a political strategy or not, I think it backfired for us Forum. I don't think they gained the public sympathy that they were expecting. I think it actually had the opposite effect. Mm. Because it was linked to our history, you think that's mainly why? I think um, the reason is, is... because as we said in South Africans and given our our past, the compromises of the the nineteen ninety four settlement that we're now getting to a point where society itself is fatigued with all this change that has been promised to come and and we've seen in recent years people start to question um how effective that settlement was and why we're still faced with growing poverty. You know, poverty levels now are are worse than during the apartheid era. You know, we've got more than half of our population living below the poverty line. And and therefore, this is about whether the struggle is still there or not. And and from the side where Julius Malema is sitting, he's saying, well, the struggle still continues. The song is still relevant because my people are still fighting for their dignity. They're still fighting um, uh, to be recognized as full citizens and be equal in the country. And from the side of the forum, I think um, it's it, 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 it the sense that, you know, we should leave things as is and we should forget about the past and move on because democracy came and 
and I think um, if, if, if you sort of subscribe to Afriforum, then democracy sort of put a plaster on the gunshot wound and everything should be okay. But um, definitely the commentary coming out of, of social media, people showing much love for Julius, because I think um, what Julius did when he was um, on the stand mm. was simply to hold up a mirror in front of every other South African. And, and he is quite a master as, as, at that. You know, he took the platform... And he, he made it a, pol- a political platform for him. I, I think he was he was not suggesting the Afri Forum lawyer when he was speaking most of the time. He was speaking to an audience he knew was listening. Yeah. I mean, talking about that, I mean, that, that you know, there is a, a move to reconcile and move forward and, and, you know, forget about the past. And then him, uh, even citing, you know, our Madiba in terms of reconciling and how... He was saying, Malema, that Madiba coerced us into reconciling with people, but saying, but you can't reconcile if you've never been together. Again, touching on, you know, apartheid and our history and, and all of that. Does it uh, add a different theme then to reconciliation to say, but actually we've been saying the wrong thing, do you think? As you say, I mean, Twitter streets are supporting, uh, Facebook streets are supporting a lot of what he said, uh, Malema. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, there's been a vested interest uh, from particularly the fourth estate since 1994 to push the reconciliation, the Rainbow Nation agenda. But I think if you look at the reality, if you've ever been on the Howe train, um, Asanda, and it goes from Pretoria and it passes through Alexandra and into Santon, there is no way that any right-thinking South African does not question themselves that why do we still have Alexandria? Mm. Why do we still have people living like that right next to such extreme wealth which is in South And And those are the things that you cannot plaster over. Those are the things that we, even though we, we in our nation-building efforts, we are trying fervently to, to reconcile but I think there is a grim reality that our white counterparts in this country are not about that agenda. They are not about seeking the reconciliation. They are more about self-preservation and seem to be reconciling. Um, I think that, that, that's what mm. the general atmosphere that comes through is. It's uh, 17 minutes past four here on SFM Sound Awake. We're discussing trending topics with Mpumelelo Mashifani, social commentator, if you've just uh, joined us. Okay, also sticking with politics, but uh, moving to our neighbors in Zimbabwe. Uh, yesterday being dubbed Yellow Sunday, and uh, this is when there's uh, there's been campaigning happening there uh, in the lead-up to by-elections of March 26. It was called Yellow because... Because um, the Citizens Coalition for Change, uh, led by Nelson Shamisa, <clears throat> totally new uh, political outfit uh, since he broke away from the NBC brand, and really uh, bringing a fresh breath, um, a fresh, a fresh air, sorry, uh, to the mm. modern, uh politics. If you look at the numbers that he managed to pull um, in at, at the Zimbabwe's uh, iconic uh, Zimbabwe grounds in Highfield. Uh, Harare, 
it was it was massive. Um, and and the opposition, Zanu PF tried to have a rally there. Uh, it took last week, and there were very few people. So the uh, Triple C um, really trending um, across many uh, social networks. I saw it trending in some uh, Telegram channels that I'm in. I saw it trending on on Twitter, um, and um, him really uh, setting the tone uh, for what he says is his build up to 2023 to the actual election where. He says it's time for change to happen in Zimbabwe, and it's time for the for Zimbabweans to bring that change. Mm. Uh, so absolutely, a bumper rally that he had, I think I was amazed as well at the numbers he was able to pull. All right, we'll switch from politics uh, in just a bit. Let's take a short break. Two more training topics to discuss here on SAFM Sound Awake. Trending news right now. We're still in conversation with Mpumelelo Mashifane, social commentator on what's happened in the social media streets in the last 72 hours on this Monday, looking over the weekend, basically. Hashtag Operation Dudula now. Mpumelelo, let's talk about this. And this is the uh, protests that were being held by groups in Hillbrow, in Alexandra as well. But this particular one was in Hillbrow where the, the the protesters are voicing concerns over foreign nationals in South Africa. I think what's a, a bit more to note for me is the Gauteng Premier David Makura uh, saying that he wants to work with this operation, Dudula. Uh, let's talk about that because this is going to be, I guess, something that needs intervention from government so that it does not become vigilante-like. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um Operation Tudula started out of uh, the infamous uh, Soweto Parliament, uh, quite a different uh, strategy that has been employed by young people led by a man known as Kanta Lux. I think he, he shot to fame during the July unrest when he mobilized the community to defend the malls in Soweto from being looted. Um, and uh, that's why I think we saw malls like Maponya uh, Mall uh, uh, not being muted during the July unrest. But um, he has gone on to say that we have a problem of foreigners in the country and uh, South Africans need to take back their, their country. Um, I think we've also had a sort of a marriage between the Soweto Parliament and the Put South Africa First movement, mm-hmm. uh, which, which um, seeks to achieve same thing. Um, we've seen them marching uh, to to Hillbrow. We've seen them marching to certain companies uh, right in the heart of Johannesburg and Canton, whom they say are employing foreigners uh, at the expense of South Africans. And um, uh, really, um, this week, taking themselves and marching to Hillbrow to say they want to clean the streets of Hillbrow from people who are selling drugs. Uh, from people who have turned uh, downtown Johannesburg into a crime haven, um, particularly operated by networks linked to foreign nationals. How do we make sure these don't uh, become or continue to be violent? Because in Alexandra, there's been uh, pro- uh, reports that, that the, there was violence and there was chaos. There were even guns being pulled out when certain uh, um, vendors on the streets we're having their tents destroyed and things like that. I think this is why um, 
Southern Premier David Makua has now recognized that he, he needs to play a very active role in this movement, which is seems to be moving and slowly snowballing um, into something that might overflow into some other parts of the country. I know where I am, I've seen whispers of it. I know that there is a movement afoot um, under the same guise as, as uh, Operation Kedula. Uh, but at this moment, I know that uh, they've just been telling people that if they don't have papers, they should prepare to go home. Um, and there hasn't been any consultation. But the government coming in, um, in the form of the Premier, and saying that they want to be part of it, they want to work on it, I think is an effort to try and make this operation as lawful as possible and ensure that it doesn't uh, spill over into vigilantism or, or, or anything of the sort. Because when you have two groups of people confronting one another, especially about things such as bread and butter issues and livelihoods, you're going to have a flare-up of emotion. Mm. And with our history of xenophobia, I think government needs to recognize this and have an eye for it quite early on, as you're saying right now, and, and, and take an active role in listening to what people are crying about and actually intervening. I think uh, what is also giving this a lot of momentum is that people have been given hope with Johannesburg's last administration under Herman Mashaba, which actually prioritized this as a, as a manifesto issue and said we're going to clean up Johannesburg of foreign nationals who have taken over the, the CBD and turned it really into something that you know you can't even walk through. There's areas of, of Johannesburg where um, it's been reported that if you're South African, they ask you, what are you doing here? Um, you're not allowed to be here. And so I think um, when you have comments like that, um, you, you've got something definitely brewing um, in the belly and you, you've got to nip it in the butt um, uh, and provide leadership. But you've also got to adjust what people um, are crying about, really. All right. Finally, let's talk uh, DJ Fresh and DJ Euphonic. They are having their gender-based violence case against them reopened. Uh, if you can just maybe give us background in terms of what happened here and then uh, why this case is being reopened now. Yeah, um, this case, uh, last year, around about this time last year, a woman came on to Twitter and said, um, these two people, uh, these two well-known people, radio personalities, um, rape her. And they need to acknowledge that they they raped her and they took away her virginity, and 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 uh, they basically crippled her life. As so she has, she's now reliant on anxiety medication and so forth. And um, the case went on, uh, grew a lot of uh, media, attracted a lot of media attention, a lot of public attention as well. Uh, but the NPA later dropping the case and saying that. Um, upon perusal of the available evidence in the docket, uh, a decision was taken not to pros- prosecute. Uh, but now the NPA changing its tune and saying that they are reopening the same um, uh, charge against the two. And uh, that came as a bit of a shocker over the weekend. People saying um, that uh, is someone out for them? How can the charges be reopened? Where did the evidence come from now? 
But really, that is what is happening um, around this GPG case where the NPA is saying that they are ready to reopen the case um, and meet and possibly leading to uh, us thinking that new evidence um, has surfaced. Does it make sense to you? Because, uh, number one, the police, yes, it's being confirmed that now the case is being reopened, but they had not, they haven't explained the reason for that decision. And number two, even when the case was taken off uh, the court uh, proceedings, the victim or, or the survivor, because she's alive, was not informed and she just got a, a WhatsApp message. Is this acceptable? I mean, what do you make of, of these two things? See, things seem to yeah. just not make sense here. I don't know if they are, they do to you. Absolutely, it doesn't make sense. I've been a court reporter uh, at some point in my life and um, I absolutely have never heard of, of, of something like that. It, it, it certainly says that something is amiss. Um, I mm. think uh, the, the legal representative quoted on one of the newspapers also saying, but we don't even know the reason um, for, for for this. I, I think just to quote them, they say, we're waiting to hear the reason they've decided to reopen the case. Um, remember that once DJs announced on Twitter and the NPA decided not to prosecute, we launched a formal dispute and grievance against the police. And then they undertook that matter with the public protector as well, saying that state resources were being used for nefarious reasons. Um, uh, so it, it, it is something that um, Fresh and Euphonic took up uh, with, with, with authorities after the decision not to prosecute was taken. But now, given that process that is still underway, um, the NPA has reopened the charge. So... It's going to be very interesting to see, Afanda, exactly what is at play mm. uh, behind these charges because it, it's it's quite mysterious. The woman made the allegations on Twitter. A case was open, but no one knows even who she is, um, and so on and so forth. So it's it's quite murky at, uh, when you look at it, and it's quite difficult to analyze exactly what is at play. But I think some of the comments you have seen. Um, people saying, we wonder whose clothes they stepped on, because it doesn't seem to be a normal criminal case um, ventilating itself in the ordinary course of, of, of how criminal cases go. It seems to be um, a lot of um, pushing and pulling mm. around making the case seem legitimate. Yeah. Well, the DJs, uh, Fresh and Euphonic, real names, Tato, Sukwane, and Temba Ngosi, they were subsequently dismissed from their radio jobs at the time. And uh, in terms of their lives now and where to from here, do you think this will always just be that, one of those things that hovers over them, or are we going to forget about it? I think um, it, it, it doesn't go away. We had a, sim- a similar situation like this um, with Sichaba, uh, if you remember, and he lost his endorsements. He lost um, a big concert that he was supposed to perform at, and at the end of the day, those charges were dropped. But what he suffered um, cannot be taken back. Mm. If you're in the entertainment industry, um, your name is your bread and butter, and uh, for someone like Fresh and Euphonic. Um, it, I, I can imagine that it, it, it will be quite difficult uh, 
to have them reconstruct their reputations. Whether it happened or didn't happen, whether there's something at play or not, or whether they, they actually did violate this, this, this woman. Um, but I think whatever happened, um, they, they would have suffered uh, whether they were guilty or not. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, obviously, they've got families and, and all that. And in terms of where they go from here, uh, one has to, you know, I guess, speculate and wonder uh, in terms of these cases, how they'll pan out, but also the survivor and how her life now must be moving forward from this, if we ever do find out who she is. Yeah, um, uh, the, the the story of, of rape and prominent people uh, definitely feature in our in our social uh, fabric for quite a long time. Um, but it's always the issue of when things are reported publicly, when somebody is shamed publicly without going through the ordinary course of being tried and proven guilty. I think um, that, that, that that's where we we have a problem as South Africans that we need to to rectify. You know, it happened with the former president where, you know, even the charges, the rape charges that happened against him um, didn't come about as a result of somebody saying, I've been raped and going to the police station and reporting it. It came about through the media mm. and, 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 and so forth. And in today's world, uh, it came through social media and you can't help but ask yourself that if you were violated, your first port of call should have been the police station because then proper due process would have been afforded to the other person who is accused for them to clear their name. Rape is a very, very difficult crime um, to be able to prove in the first place, but it, it is a crime that also carries a lot of stigma with it. Um, very difficult to prove in the sense that it normally happens in a place where there are no witnesses. 99% of the time, it happens when there are no witnesses. So I think in our nation building, in our societal construction, we need to be aware um, and we need to formulate ways in order to deal with such things and to avoid them, um, you know, really damaging uh, even the families of people who are accused uh, and when, at the end of the day, um, they'll be found not guilty or the courts will say that these people, we find them not guilty. But as a creator, for an example, as we were saying, Asanda, you would have lost so much, um, you know, after that process, whether you're guilty or not, you would have suffered um, the repercussions of those accusations. Mm. And uh, we need police that take these matters seriously. A lot of women get disappointed in dealing with the law and hence why mm. they sought, they seek out the assistance of social media because they're not believed a lot of times. And it's it's been made a joke in some instances when they do go and report in police stations. Mm. Let's leave it uh, there. Pumelelo, thank you so much for joining us and a great uh, week ahead to you. I don't know if we'll chat again this week, but uh, have a good one. If we